things do seem as if they are picking up pace, don't they, folks? I've been saying that a lot lately in these live streams, but it's true. Things seem to be happening faster and faster in the church. And while many are suggesting that this is because Francis has come to an understanding that his time is running short, I don't think that has to do with this. I think that we are just heading towards some kind of new phase in the crisis of the church. And whenever we approach these kinds of things, it does appear that things are speeding up. And a lot of this is fed into by our perception being more on point about these things. After all, we have more mass media now to help us understand what's going on. And so, for instance, our story is from Brazil. Today, most of us wouldn't have no idea what's going on in Brazil. The Catholic media in the West barely covers it. It's only because of news aggregator websites and because of people who are audiences for shows like this who are in Brazil send these stories. And so I want to thank the people who made me aware of this story. And then somehow Pillar Catholic picked up on this story. So what we're going to go today to talk about is a Brazilian priest who um, very clearly woke up to what is going on in the church and he wants nothing of it anymore to put it mildly. So let's just dive right into our story here. And our headline is from The Pillar. Brazilian priest accused of schism faces canonical proceedings. A Brazilian priest is facing canonical proceedings after his archdiocese said he made schismatic statements and ignored restrictions on the use of preconciliar liturgical rubrics. The story is a bit more than actually all of that. The priest had what can only be called an awakening. He became aware of the state of the church and the effects Vatican II has had on the church. His reaction is what is at issue here. This happened in Brazil, the same country I reported on, I think it was last week, where the local bishop basically said anyone attending the pre-Vatican II form of the Mass was a heretic and excommunicated. It's the same country, folks, and now the bishops are in the process of excommunicating a priest for having the same faith as had existed prior to Vatican II. I often report on things happening in the United States with some of our really bad bishops, but even like Cardinal Supic and Cardinal McElroy have never actually said that if you will go to Mass, the traditional Mass, that you're a heretic. He's never actually said that. Okay, so to give you an idea how much worse things can get, the closer to the heart of the liberation theology country you get, the more likely you're going to see these kinds of stories. So let's see what the pillars take is on this before we actually go into the letter the actual priest here wrote, because he actually wrote a letter to the public and it's not very long. I'll just give it to you in full at that time. So from the article, quote, the Archdiocese of Sao Paulo announced November 29th that it would open a preliminary investigation into the priest's alleged schismatic activity and at the same time remove Father Fabio Fernandez from our Lady of Sorrows Church in the Botafunda district of the city of Sao Paulo, where he serves as pastor. A November 23rd decree signed by Cardinal Odio Scherer, the Archbishop of Sao Paulo, said that Fernandez was forbidden from exercising public ministry. The measures taken against Fernandez followed a series of tense exchanges between the archdiocesan authorities and the priest that began November 1st with a canonical warning. The warning letter signed by Scherer and the archdiocese's chancellor asked Fernandez to declare in writing in his public 
his, quote, willingness to accept communion with the Roman Catholic Church, the Second Vatican Council in its entirety, the magisterium of Pope Francis, and due obedience and respect for your diocesan bishop, as promised at his 2009 priestly ordination. The letter accused the priest of, quote, persistent disobedience, making schismatic statements, such, in, such as calling Pope Francis and Cher heretics, and showing, quote, clear disregard for the tenets of the 2021 apostolic letter Traditionis Custodis, which curtailed celebrations of the liturgy prior to the reform of 1970, also known for some reason as the Tridentine Mass and the Extraordinary Form of the Roman Rite, end quote. And it's not actually called the Extraordinary Form of the Roman Rite. I don't know why people keep calling it that. Francis outlawed that. He said it's, there's only one form, and it's in the form of the Mass as promulgated by Paul VI, and then later uh, tweaked slightly by John Paul II. So, but here's the thing. I wish, and I'm betting many of you wish as well, that we had more priests who are as brave as this. He said what many of us desperately wish our priests would say, that something in the last few decades has gone seriously wrong in the church. Francis didn't just come out of nowhere. He is a product of the post-conciliar era of the church. If you go read the biographies about him, if you understand his own personal history, you see that that is abundantly clear. He just, this priest here just pointed out the obvious problem in the church. So the diocese tried to intervene and tried to get him back into the synodal ape church, and he refused. Now note something here. This priest firmly and clearly believes that the crisis in the church points to a state of abject apostasy. He firmly believes that he is doing the right thing to protect the faith and transmit the faith to the faithful. Has he gone too far? Let me know in the comments or in the live chat what you think about this. Because I know there will be some who will say, well, no, he went too far. He shouldn't be in, you know, using words like heresy to describe Francis and his own bishop. He should just stay where he is and do what they want him to do and just teach the faith as best he can in that environment. You got to remember something here. Brazil is where liberation theology really took off. It's one of those places in South America that was the epicenter of it. It's where it began. The landscape there is not a place you want to be in terms of like having a thriving faith. And there's a reason that Brazil is also like a massive center for traditional Catholicism because of liberation theology. There were people who had the same reaction you and I do to the errors we see promoted by many bishops in North America and Western Europe. They sought out the the steady rock of faith as it had been taught prior to the council years. So let's go back to the article. Quote, in a November 6th response to Cardinal Scherer, Father Fernandez denied making any statement in which he described the Pope and Cardinal as, quote, heretics. Now here's what he actually said. What I have said is that those who are under the spirit of a giornamento, that's the opening of the windows of the world of the church, a term from Vatican II of essentially getting along with the world, basically. The spirit of a giornamento of the Second Vatican Council are in a situation of heresy, which is obvious and which comprises legitimacy and authority, he said. Regarding Traditionis Custodis, he argued that the liturgy in force, meaning he's here talking about traditional Latin mass, does not alter the theological nature of the Tridentine mass divined by St. Pius V, who ordered that it not be altered, and which, by its very dogmatic nature, is the norm of prayer in the Catholic Church in the West meaning you can't get rid of the traditional mass, no matter how hard they try. 
the previous popes issued laws according to this priest saying you can't do that. Fernandez posted another statement November 6th addressed to Catholics in which he said that he wanted to, quote, ask forgiveness for the mistake I made for many years, most of my almost 15 years of priesthood, of having celebrated the new mass according to the Missal of Paul VI. This is your typical mass offered at your typical parish on a Sunday. He offered a detailed account of his calling to the priesthood, his formation, and his growing awareness of the traditional Latin mass. He ended the message with a quotation from Archbishop Lefebvre. The end of November, the archdiocese sent a new message to Fernandez, notifying him of canonical proceedings and giving him five working days to hand over his parish. The directive would seem most likely to be a temporary restriction on his administration of the parish, given that the parish pastors must be ordinarily removed by a particular process in canon law, and Fernandez has not yet been declared to be in schism. The archdiocese said that Cardinal Scherer had appealed to Fernandez on October 28th, asking him not to celebrate the Feast of Christ the King the following day. But the priest had ignored the request and celebrated the feast on a day, quote, contrary to the liturgical calendar in force. The feast fell on October 29th in the extraordinary form, meaning the 1962 pre-conciliar calendar, you'll find at any traditional parish, but falls on November 26th in the calendar for the Novus Ordo calendar used by the dioceses in Brazil. The archdiocese said that the priest had also failed to retract the errors highlighted in the November 1st letter, but instead reaffirmed them, posting, quote, serious statements with schismatic content on social media November 6th. In a November 27th message to fellow priests and lay Catholics, Fernandez said that he had celebrated the Feast of Christ the King October 29th according to the wishes and needs of the faithful, as well as in accordance with the traditional Catholic calendar, despite a prohibition communicated to him via a phone call and WhatsApp message. What diocese sends messages to priests using WhatsApp? I mean, come on. The priest said that in his homily, he had professed the Catholic and apostolic faith, defending the mass of ages and refuting the errors of the conciliar church against the true faith and the holy sacrifice. It is not clear to what degree Fernandez intends to fight the charges of schism against him. He suggested that the canonical process, which would take place in the Sao Paulo Archdiocese Ecclesiastical Tribunal, had the aim of expelling me from the conciliar church as a schismatic, excommunicating me from the, quote, conciliar church, and stripping me of the clerical state of the same, quote, conciliar church. <laughs> End lengthy quote. So, yeah. <laughs> this priest had something happen where he woke up to the state of the church. It is not 3 a.m. where I'm at, uh, Ian. Uh, it is closer to 4.30 where I'm at. But yes, this is, um, <laughs> Consul says that she's to be, assumed she's been excommunicated. Well, in Brazil, the bishops, one of the bishops there said that if you attend the traditional mass, you are apparently excommunicated, which is really weird. But yeah, uh, as DH says, the uh, South America is, uh, the culture there is not in a great place. And... Ponto in the comments says, Our Lady of Buen Successo de la Purification. That's the Our Lady of the Good Event of the Purification, often mislabeled in the English-speaking world as Our Lady of Good Success. When, when you look at her name, which is on the screen there, that's not good success. That is the Our Lady of the Good Event of the Purification. Do a, she offers a heavy glimpse that Franciscans are going to do some heavy lifting in our times makes a whole lot of sense. And it's true. Um, she warns about the state of the church today. And she did it like 500 years ago in Ecuador. It's I've got several videos on that for those who are interested. Just look through my 
search through my channel, you'll find them. Um, but I want to give you the uh, actually what the priest himself said. He actually offers a very kind of different take. I mean, it's he he wants you to understand where it what he is. He said so. He actually wrote a letter to the faithful. Several of these. Um, this one was published just a few days ago on a Catalismo Romano, a Brazilian website. This is using a Google Translate. So the translation may not be the best, but you'll understand. So here is just what he has to say. I address this letter for the information of my dear brother priests and faithful, Pax. I inform the beloved priests and faithful that this morning, November 27th, 2023, I received at the Metropolitan Curia of Sao Paulo the decision of Dom Odio, the, the document delivered to my hands by a priest, that I was expelled from the parish of Nosa Senhora das Anguistias Barafunda, Sao Paulo, being removed from his role as parish priest with a period of five days to leave. The reasons given for my expulsion from the parish in summary are for insisting on celebrating the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, the Tridentine Mass, throughout my almost 15 years of priesthood, even knowing the bishop's disapproval. For having celebrated the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, the, the traditional Mass, on the Feast of Christ the King on October 29th, 2023, according to the desired need of the faithful, in accordance with the Gregorian and traditional Catholic calendar. For not having consented to submit to the bishop's verbal by phone call and written by messenger prohibition of celebrating the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, according to Tridentine Roman Missal on the Feast of Christ the King on the 29th of October. For having expressed myself to the faithful in the sermon of the Holy Mass on the Feast of Christ the King, professing the Catholic and Apostolic faith, defending the usual Mass and refuting the errors of the conciliar church against the true faith and the Holy Sacrifice. Pause here for a second. This is a diocesan priest, okay? This is a diocesan priest, and something happened that we're not exactly sure of that brought him to this understanding of where things are in the church. And when that happens... There's a number of responses people have. Some of them are trying to be at least moderate in their tone and expression of things while trying to communicate these horrible ideas, these ideas of a like, horrible state of things to people. That's typically how I try to do things. And others, he went and ran with the ideas. I'm not going to fault him for that. Let's continue. For not submitting to Francis's Traditionis Custodis, which prohibits priests from celebrating Holy Sacrifice of the Mass according to the Tridentine Roman Missal, or the insistent lack of communion with the, quote, conciliar church in all its notorious mistakes, harmful precepts, and with serious damage to the souls of the faithful, for refusing to submit to the errors of the Second Vatican Council with its clear attacks on the Catholic faith, in total rupture with the apostolic tradition, the cause of the extremely serious and unprecedented crisis that we are experiencing in the life of the visible church, installed in its physical structures, and which contributes decisively to the diabolical fight against the social reign of our Lord Jesus Christ in the world. For not submitting to Bergoglio's excesses, which follow the errors of adjournamento, that emanate from Second Vatican Council, and which are now in vogue in the spirit of synodality, causing great confusion, scandal, and harm to the souls of the faithful, contributing consequently for the mass apostasy of priests and faithful for decades, for the disintegration of communion in the one faith, for the destruction of the constitution of the traditional family, for the twisting of the innocent, and for preventing the Catholic formation of young people and children, for making a retraction published on November 6, 2023, in conscience, retracting myself before the faithful for having celebrated 
Paul VI, quote, new mass for years, by chance having led souls into error through my own ignorance, thus reaffirming my profession of Catholic faith, renouncing the errors of modernism and the Second Vatican Council, and explaining my unconditional love for the holy sacrifice of the mass fully present in the Tridentine mass. Let's pause here again. I know a lot of people listening to this are going to have a hard time with what he's saying. And I've gone over like the history of these things in the past in a lot of detail. He probably learned that the new mass was made by a committee uh, headed by a suspected of uh, what we call stonecutter here and a committee of with a couple of seminarians and priests that helped him. But the committee was also staffed by Protestant ministers who helped design and implement the new mass that had a lot of the features that Cramner and a lot of like Luther and the Anglicans had in their changes to the liturgy that were express, expressly designed to destroy belief in the real presence. And they've accomplished that. They have in our time in the church. We know that only one in three or fewer, even than that, Catholics believe in the real presence of our Lord in the Eucharist as taught by the church. He probably came to that. He probably came to understand that and came to a more radical interpretation of what to do afterwards than many of you will. But that's how you get to these places. Now, he says, the document containing the decision to expel me from the parish is attached to another document issued by Dom Odillo that initiates a canonical process in the ecclesiastical court of Sao Paulo with the purpose of expelling me from the conciliar church as a schismatic of excommunicate from the conciliar church and to take my away my clerical status from the same conciliar church. Therefore, considering all the above, dear believers are hereby notified that from today's date, holy masses, the administration of the sacraments, parish work and apostolate activities in the parish of Nosa Senhora das Aguistas are suspended in Verafunda, Sao Paulo. I invite the dear priests and faithful to move forward, remaining firm in the Catholic and apostolic faith, in communion with the mystical body of Christ, which is the Holy Catholic Church in its nature and essence, indefectible, unique, true and outside of which there is no salvation, and that in serenity and spirit of prayer we sanctify ourselves and can through the mercy and goodness of God save our souls, preserving our families in the true faith exercising an effective and fruitful apostolate. One day our Lord Jesus Christ, who does not sleep and watches over us, according to his unfathomable designs and in accordance with his most holy will, will intervene implacably in this perplexing crisis of the church, and this entire storm will turn into a calm. The foundations of the church will be repaired. The Catholic faith will be restored in the visible church and will return to Rome, dioceses and parishes and families. Therefore, what is up to us is to remain in the true Catholic faith without letting ourselves be influenced by the errors of the modernism of the Second Vatican Council, the Lutheranized New Mass, and synodality. And the grace of God, which has its mysterious ways, will make the rest through us and those who will come their poor instruments. Let us be aware that everything we are facing will bear good fruit for souls today and for future generations, because despite our miseries and sins, if we suffer sincerely out of love for God, our Lord who suffered everything for us, contributing to the preservation and transmission of tradition and the Catholic faith, promoting the freedom and exaltation of the Holy Church and collaborating for the custody of the traditional family, the beneficiaries will be those for whom our Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, whose effects of grace will be poured out in spiritual fruits upon the, our country, about our families, and about the people with whom we do apostolate, and about all of us. Again, the translation leaves something to be desired. But I say to dear priests and faithful not to be afraid, not to be deceived and not to be discouraged, to remain firm and resolute, willing to suffer any harm, misunderstanding, any penalties for the Holy Church and the Catholic faith. Without sacrifice, there is no redemption. 
if this is how it was with the Lord, who was rejected, judged, and condemned by his own, and who left us his example through the outpouring of his precious blood, instituting the new and eternal covenant, this will also be the case with the members of his church who will suffer in some way for the truth of the faith, according to the generosity and sacrifice that he asks of each of us. Let us not forget that our Lord Jesus Christ promised us that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The Lord remains silent and gives time for us to open our eyes, to abandon lukewarm prostration, complacency, and connivance in the face of errors, and for the enemies of the faith to repent and convert. However, let us know this time at any time will be over. Therefore, in time now, let us prepare ourselves interiorly, with the means that the grace offers us to remain ready faithful to our Lord without betraying him, without, without justifying ourselves with human reasons, without allowing ourselves to be carried away by inductions to the unjustifiable error imposed out of obedience, without allowing oneself to be carried away by the current force, in a spiral of silence of the omitted excused majority and not allowing ourselves to be seduced by the easy and immediate proposals that in truth are clear temptations against faith. Thus I warn you to detach yourselves from your personal interests, putting nothing before the love of Christ, because the day when each one must make, take a Catholic, intrepid, and definitive position will arrive, and it will not be long. Let's pause there. He is saying here that we must all be ready to give an account, and we must all be ready to take a hard stand in defense of the faith. That is what he's saying. And he has, he has come to this conclusion clearly that the state of the church now requires him to take that kind of a hard stand. That language he's using sounds pretty radical to our ears. The actions he took sounds pretty radical to our ears. <sighs> Traditionalist Catholic says, nobody's taught the real Vatican to who were taught the spirit. I'm, well, I'm of the mind that the spirit is the real document. There were the same people who implemented the documents were the same people who wrote the documents and voted on the documents of the council. That's just the way it is. I mean, the the ambiguity is a feature, right? Cholutito says, excommunication because of following Jesus Christ, an act of obedience towards God, not of man, nor the lifeless stone church that will be in rubbles is rather a sweet state. Um, Traditionalist Catholic says the priest is fiery. This, so, yeah, this is, uh, we're going to finish this letter here. This is, um, I don't think we've heard the last of this priest, honestly. I believe that he is going to be, that they're going to come after him with full force if they can. But he's had to leave his parish, so maybe they'll just let him go and declare him excommunicated, which I think will be an invalid excommunication. After all, what has he denied of the faith? Nothing. He has not denied the faith. So let's continue this. Let us also be certain that one day the Holy Church, regenerated and exalted, will heal all these damages that we are suffering, and as mother and teacher of truth, she will receive with an affectionate and maternal embrace all her children who have kept the deposit of faith in the midst of suffering, persecution, and punishment. And let us not forget that in the final judgment, according in accordance with the teachings of our Lord and transmitted by the Holy Church, those who kept the faith and suffered for it in the path of the law of God and sanctity will be collected among those elected to, the, to heaven." Notice again the translation error. <laughs> Those who contributed to the destruction of the faith, the church, and the family, if they do not repent and convert in time, will be taken to the eternal fire that cannot be extinguished. I humbly thank God, our Lord, and Mary, most holy, our tender mother, my family, who is no longer in this world, my parish priest, Father Antonio Monati dos Santos, who passed away 20 years ago, my dear relatives, who I carry affectionately in my heart, to my friends, to the pious and unforgettable priests, 
who passed through my life and who transmitted tradition and the true Catholic faith to me, always offering me their generosity and charity, my sincere gratitude for the undeserved grace of being able to suffer, even if this was so little, for the Catholic faith and for the Holy Church, which is a privilege, a great grace that makes me know, united with the feelings of the Church, that fills us with joy, with holy joy and supernatural hope, which I propose to correspond with fidelity through God's mercy, etc., etc., etc. He ends with invoking our Lady of Aparecida, queen and patron of the Holy Church, to protect it, uh, to protect Brazil. Again, I'll have that posted in my show notes today at returntotradition.org, so you can read it for yourself. Um, the one thing I'll disagree with him on is when they say he called Francis and his bishop a heretic, he says, I didn't. They, they're just in the error of heresy. I mean, that, that's a, a nice way of saying that they're heretics. Um XM asks for us to pray for Bishop Clarence Kelly, who passed away this past weekend. Yes, please keep that. Uh, say an Ave for Ave Maria later for the repose of the soul of that bishop, or keep him in your rosary tonight if you can. Um. So I'm curious what you think about this. So, did he go too far? What do you think? I don't think he necessarily went too far. Uh, there comes a point where we are told. One of the things we're told today in the post-conciliar era is that our conscience, our well-formed Catholic conscience, should be our guidestone. Well, his faith was formed by the faith. His conscience was formed by the faith, by the writings of the saints, by the by those who came before us who were our sure guides in the faith. And that's where it led him. His informed conscience told him that everything in the church was that things in the church were rotten and that he needed to do his job as a priest to offer the traditional faith. That's what I think. I can't hold him. I can't hold that against him. Uh, Mike Rizzio, I do suggest you uh, watch from the beginning. He was, um, he's been a priest for 17 years. <laughs> so um, that would put him in his forties probably. Whip tips says the priest didn't go too far. He did his duty to the truth. That's yeah, his conscience led him there. Robert Richards asks if Archbishop Lefebvre went too far. The last 60 years gives us the whole story. It's true. I I am one who thinks that one day Archbishop Lefebvre will be raised to the altars once the crisis in the church is over. Yeah, traditional Catholic, I tend to agree. I mean, there's a lot of context for Brazil there that makes it clear that the priest was uh, came to came to the statements he the positions he did be properly because the church in Brazil is is aiding its the country's rulers. All right, if there are no further comments, then this will be I'm going to wrap up what we're doing here. Just um, pray for everybody involved in the story. Pray for the priest. He will probably need your your help. There is, as far as I know, no coalition for priests in his state in in his country. So he's probably on his own. Um, well, the problem, Linda, is that they, uh, Fulton Sheen was himself a full-throated supporter of Vatican II, describing himself as progressive on that on liturgical issues and other things. Although towards the end, I do maintain that he saw like things were not going the way he thought they would, and he started re reaffirming um, a more orthodox faith. That's my my assertion based on the writings of his I've read and the many speeches, especially the late in life ones he gave. How will he survive? Probably on the charity of those who support him or, or uh, with the support of his family. 
All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in today. Pray for that priest. Pray for the bishop in that I mentioned here. I can't find his name now, but um, the bishop who passed away. And it's always pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria. <laughs>